Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Cook what you love. Whatever food you actually like, focus on adapting that for safety. That's mm-hmm. the real advice because I don't know what you listening to. I don't know what you love. Maybe you love Indian food and you can't have legumes. Hot dog is that hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because Indian food is packed with legumes. And so now you have to focus on creating flavors that are legume free and still within the Indian realm of food. Or maybe you love Mexican food and you're allergic to tomatoes. Maybe you love, you know, traditional Chinese food and you can't have like fish and mushroom. Geez, Louisa, that's hard. You know, so I can't really give one meal per se, but the best advice is just Cook what you love safely. If you can find ways to adapt, that's really the goal. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host, and I am so, so thrilled about today's guest interview. I feel like I say that every time, but I had so much fun talking to today's guest, and this interview was so incredibly helpful. I know so many of you are going to get so much out of this episode. Any of you who have children who have food allergies, intolerances, or sensitivities, or you might suspect that they do, maybe you're in the process of figuring out where some of their food reactions are coming from. Maybe you have a child who was newly diagnosed with an allergy or an intolerance or a sensitivity, and you're kind of lost and you're looking for advice. Maybe you're looking for new recipes or navigating how to figure out cooking and kitchen tools and cooking for family members with different allergies or different dietary restrictions or food preferences. There is so much in the world of food allergies. And today I have the 
the expert on food allergies, the allergy chef herself, Kathleen. Kathleen has over 200 food allergies and intolerances, including most water. The members of her household also have food allergies and special diets, none of them the same. After being told she had 30 days to live, she made it her mission to help the food allergy community thrive. Three years from her lowest point, she and her team have published cookbooks, started a bakery, done nationwide outreach, developed recipes and resources, and so much more. You can learn more at theallergychef.com. And today, she is here with us sharing everything you need to know if you or your child has been newly diagnosed with a food allergy, how to cook for family members with different food allergies, how to know if foods are safe, and how to really dive into the world of food allergies. Even if you're feeling overwhelmed, she gives really, really good advice on how to deal with not just the physical organization of living with food allergies or living with family members with food allergies, but also the emotions around it. She shares her really vulnerable story of dealing with lots of food allergies and the physical and mental health struggles she had from all of these food reactions that she had for so many years and how she's come through it with such a positive mindset. And the same thing for her kids, how she showed up for her kids and gave her kids such a full life, even though they all struggle with different levels of allergies and intolerances, and how she went about that. And this conversation is informative, it's inspiring, and it will definitely make you laugh. I know you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Kathleen, the allergy chef. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I know we've already been talking for a few minutes, but I am so excited to have you on and have an awesome conversation with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share info with all of your listeners and just help people. Yes. Oh, I I know you will too, especially our little conversation we had over the last few minutes. I know this is going to be a really important conversation. But before we jump in, because I do it with every guest, I love to do a fun little icebreaker. So what are you reading these days? Um, believe it or not, I'm reading fan fiction, which I stumbled onto. I didn't even know that was like a thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what you have to know is I love reading. I love books, yeah. but um, paper burns my fingers. Right. And so I haven't oh been able gosh. to read physical books for more than 10 years without being in pain. Um, or unless I like wear gloves and then like, who wants to read in bed with gloves? It's kind of weird. It's like this whole thing. Um, or like, I have to use like a ruler to move the pages and then I got to like hold it. It's, it's a process. So um, I had, I was gonna, I was doing some research for something I was thinking about writing and then I stumbled into this thing and I asked one of our kids, have you ever heard of this? It's called fan fiction. They were like, oh yeah, yeah. Like they were totally in the know and I was like, oh, okay, I did not know this was a thing. And so I- That old been, mom who had no idea. Yeah, I had, <laughs> you know- Not I, calling you old, but I'm saying compared to our kids. Oh, I know. No, 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 it's true. Like it's funny because, you know, my degree is in like, PR and marketing and internet technologies and all these things. And, and I hate the internet. So it's kind of funny because, um, there's so much there. I just don't know about anymore. And, you know, I hate the appity app things. And I'm like, I don't want this stuff. Just give me an old Blackberry and I'm happy, you know, and (laughs) like, if I could just rewind us to like the olden days, I'd be good. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's rather entertaining. And I'm, you know, sometimes sitting there like, grammar checking people like, oh, you, you, you didn't mean to say that, you know, or you didn't mean <laughs> to say that. And um, it's just, sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes I'm like, why am I reading this close? Like I can't, you know, and, and, um, 
but it's kept me entertaining entertaining, though. That feels a little bit maybe like self-care. Yeah. 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 It it just, it's kept me entertained and that's it. Purely. I love it. I love that. I love these. I love this question just because it's always a little bit different. You know, some people are reading nonfiction. Some people are reading like really juicy fiction books and sometimes it's fan fiction. So I absolutely love it. (laughs) Cool. So I want to jump into your story because you have an incredibly fascinating story about how you came to have over 200 allergies, including most water, and you just you know described paper as being one of them. Can you share your journey with us in a nut-free nutshell? Yeah, in a nut-free nutshell, which by the way, listeners, is the cutest thing ever. Um, it's like <laughs> so cute. Um, in a nutshell, nut-free nutshell, um, I'd have to say I was born with part of it, which part I couldn't tell you. Um, there are certain parts I could probably tell you, but I could never really say this percentage was this way. This percentage was acquired over time. Um, I am a complex case. I am the exception to the rule, not the rule, because what I was born with was not quick and obvious reactions. It was never diagnosed. Um, it was always like band-aids. Well, there's this thing wrong with your kid and there's this thing and there's this thing. Um, I suffered from a lot of problems. I have more than 250 different symptoms. Depends on what's been eaten and, and have what quantity. Um, I had severe crippling suicidal depression. I wanted to jump off of a bridge every day for like 15 years, right? I grew up that way. I grew up just thinking death was like the coolest thing and that was the way out, right? Um, and then one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I don't want to jump off of a bridge today. Is this what normal people feel like? Huh? Like it was, it was actually a real trip for me. Um, and it's directly linked to what's been eaten because there was a day where, you know, I'd finally gotten certain things out of my system and all of a sudden I was driving and I'm like, I just want to ram my car into oncoming traffic and die. And that's when I was like, oh, I think I eat something. And, and that was like mm-hmm. the connection point, you know? And, and so um, I have a lot of symptoms. I'm a mimicker. I can mimic cancer, Job's disease, Ray nudes, common cold, flu, pink eye, anything and everything in between. Um, so when I say I've walked a mile in your shoes, I literally have walked a mile in your shoes. Um, it puts me in a very unique position where I see the Venn diagram of our community. You know, some people only see vegan or only see paleo or only see gluten-free or only see this one thing. It's like, no, no. When you're dealing with over 200 food allergies and food intolerances, you see it all. You, you literally see the entire gamut. And so it's put me in a position where, um, you know, I am the allergy chef, right? I'm allergic to everything, but yet I still cook all this food for people. It's funny because we have over 500 recipes on our website and I've never eaten them. I mean, I think I've eaten like maybe 10, but, um, I have no idea what they taste like. It's all in my head. And so sometimes people joke and call me the Beethoven of the kitchen because I'm still composing, um, even though I don't know what I'm composing. That's so cool though. As a chef, I think it is so cool to be able to have something in your head and be able to make it happen and go, I have no idea how I did that, but I did it. Yeah. It it, (laughs) it really is a party trick. Um, And you know, I I do not hide this. I say it's a God-given gift because I literally woke up one day and could just cook. I could Mm -hmm. cook and bake. I went from zero to hero, like overnight. No kidding. Um, no training, no nothing. I mean, I recently did some certifications and I got like a degree in French pastry just because I wanted to shove it in people's faces and be like, you can have free from pastry. But um, that was only recently. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time and it's just a thing. And so, yeah. um, you know, when you're told you have 30 days to live because your condition is so bad and you've gone through wasting and you've gone through all these things, it's like you wake up and you're like, I got to get everything in my head out of my head because there's so much here for people, you know? And so we did like six cookbooks. We started a bakery and we did like a nationwide tour and we just try to help people because it's like, I see this huge gap. It's like, you get a diagnosis and, um, you know, you're told to avoid these foods and, but you're not told how, 
And in some cases, you're not even told what that means, right? If you are outside the top eight, top nine, top up to 14, depending on what country you're in, um, there's no real resource. And to make it worse, if you are allergy or intolerance plus special diet, so let's say you are nut-free paleo, good luck, you know? <laughs> Egg-free paleo, soy-free vegan, gluten-free vegan, all you guys, nobody helps you, but I do, right? I came along and I said, every single one of these people is falling through the cracks. I'm going to literally seal up every crack. Um, in fact, one of the coolest things ever, it's called the Advanced Recipe Search. I love talking about it. It's on our website. It's got over 85 filters and you can filter individual allergens, food families, food groups, and um, specialty diets as well. And then you can also put in like special requests. Like I just want pizza or I just want pasta or I want it to be freezer friendly or budget friendly or whatever. No one else on the internet is doing this for people with food allergies and restricted diets. Like anyone, right? Um, we are generating this custom result just for you. And what's so cool is like, you know, if one person in your house is like egg free and someone else is dairy free and someone else is this, and then you've got this other person, right? Mixed allergy household, you literally plug them all in and the results are the greatest common denominator, right? That doesn't exist anywhere. And I'm like, who did it? (laughs) Like I spearheaded this. It's so cool. And I need everybody to see it because it's, it's everything you wish you knew the day you were diagnosed. And I guess that's, to me, that's the most important part of my story. It's yeah. Okay. I had all that stuff, right? I went through all that stuff, but the real story to me is I'm changing the world one bite at a time. I'm on a mission to literally change the world. It's like when I was a kid, I knew I was going to change the world. I was one of those kids, you know, I'm a, I'm a hyper overachiever by nature. And to me, it's like anything less than a thousand percent is failure. So it's like, like I, I go all the way and I'm like, I'm going to fix all of this. Don't worry. Just give me a little time. Give me some funding and I'm just going to, I'm going to change it all, you know, because um, I think it's a basic, right. You know, like mm. food, you know, yes. and like yeah. you and I were talking about, you know, before like reading labels and things like that. It's like the worst part is, is like, even with buying something at the grocery store, you know, if you're in the 30% where you can't do shared equipment, that's not on the label. Mm. Processing aids aren't on the label. There are certain allergies. You know, we were talking about corn, corn, sometimes soy, depending on the person and depending on what kind of products you like to buy. Um, Sunflower, believe it or not, are three of the hardest things to avoid because of how they're used in the food industry. Yes. Yeah. I don't realize it. Right. Um, But they are so hard to avoid. And like sugar, if you're allergic to cane sugar, that too. And and of those four things I just named, only one of them is deemed a top major allergen. Right. Mm. So it's like companies don't, when, when it comes to major allergens, there are rules in place that you have to be able to track certain things. You know, a, a consumer has to be able to get in touch with you and say, does it contain or did it ever come into contact with insert major allergen here? Everything else is fair game, you know? Yeah. And then we have the FDA loophole, right? With highly refined oils. But then we have their pandemic loophole where um, they allowed for, you could change your ingredients because of supply chain issues. And as long as you didn't do it with, within a, a certain scope, you didn't have to put on the label. And so for people with severe food allergies, it was, it was fascinating for lack of a better word, how overnight myself and a couple of other leaders within the community, we all kind of scrambled and we were like, are you working on this project? Because guess what I just heard? And we need to figure out who's going to change and who's not. And we were able to start getting in touch with companies very quickly to say, who's going to take advantage of this loophole and who's not, we need to know right now. Um, And we had like a master list up within a week. And we were pointing everybody as much as possible to this list. Like, if you use these brands, keep using them. And if you don't, start using them. 
because yeah. we cannot confirm what other brands are going to be doing, you know, or make sure you're calling, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, if, if you're in the 30%, maybe you're already in practice of doing all these calls and things like that. But if you're in the 70%, now you're affected too, mm-hmm. right? You can't just pick up a label and read it and assume anymore. So um, I guess that's the most important part. If you need to know anything about me, it's that I'm on a mission to change the world one bite at a time. Mm. I love that so much. I love that. Like the most important part of your story is that, or at least I think the most important part of your story is that you went through all of this crazy hardship, everything from physical to crazy mental health issues. And you turned all of that pain and you turned it into this really incredible purpose to help people. And it's like, I, as a food intolerance mom myself, and we talked before we, you know, really officially started recording about my husband who was diagnosed with a really severe food intolerance or food sensitivity, whatever you want to call it. It's not anaphylactic, but it certainly affects him when he was um, about two years old in the eighties. And it was so difficult then, and it's still difficult now, but there are thankfully I mean, very few out there, but you you being one of the leaders, right? Resources available now for people whose kids are diagnosed with food allergies, if they have food allergies, or maybe they're adults and they're just starting to pinpoint different symptoms that they have that might be related to food. There really isn't enough out there. There, there is more than there was, but I know just, you know, talking to my mother-in-law for so many years because my, my daughter was diagnosed with the same, um, well, really the same symptoms as my husband. And so she's been avoiding, we've been avoiding corn with her for she's eight now. So for basically six years, and it is so difficult, just like you said there, it's in everything. And trying to explain that to people is so hard when she goes to like, she's a girl scout and she can't have girl scout cookies for the most part. She'll have them now and again, but she reacts to them. Um, and so, you know, she goes to Girl Scouts and they're like, well, what snacks can she have? And we're like, well, she can't have maltodextrin. She can't have dextrose. She can't have all of these ingredients that are so commonly used in food processing. Um, I know that like when my, my husband was, uh, was young, he grew up in Ontario they lived right on the border of the U.S. And they, there was a certain type of cereal. I think it was rice checks that they couldn't get in Canada. They mm. would literally drive across the border. It wasn't that far. It was like 15 minutes. But they would literally drive across the border a couple times to be able to go and get corn-free cereal for him because it wasn't available. Otherwise, he couldn't eat cereal at all. It's so Can I tell hard. you that's something I would do? I would literally <laughs> do that. That, that's I mean, right hey, you find life. something you like and that you can eat, right? Why not? I mean, I, I bet they would drive even further than that too, but it really is, it really is difficult. And it's, and I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing because I think those multi-allergy families are also really difficult as well. I mean, or even more difficult as well, because you're like, okay, well, we're already dealing with say gluten-free and then we also have egg-free and then, and really trying to figure that out. So I, so you have four kids and a husband now. So you dealt with this all on your own. And most of your family also has their own allergies or food restrictions as well. So I want to just kind of dive right in and have you share, how do you manage all of this? How do you manage yeah. your own allergies and your kitchen with food allergies? Give me all of the advice. Yeah, I've got to do that. Okay. Before I do that though, cause I had to write this down. I got to tell you something so funny. Well, it's not funny, but it is in a way because your husband was in the eighties, right? And people didn't know. I had a massive allergic reaction in the 2000s. So we're talking 20 years later. Yeah. And it still was not diagnosed as a food allergy at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I basically had like a 36 hour seizure and they were sending specialists after specialist. And what happened? I literally told everybody I ate the food and this started, I ate the food and this started not a single one of them said food allergy test. They ran every other test, but not a single one did a food allergy test. And that's 20 years post. You would have thought it'd be better by then. Right. And the word allergy was not foreign. Right. I had all these other environmental allergies. They knew, right. It was just, nobody said food allergy. Mm. And it's, and like you said, even now it's still a problem. Here we are even 20 more years later, it's still happening. And, you know, now I hear all the stories about medical gaslighting and I'm like, hold on, doctors work for you. You know, you can fire them. Right. And people get kind of tripped out by that thought. They're like, you mean I can get a new doctor? I'm like, of course you can. If they're not working out for you, move on. Right. Someone who listens. They're belittling you or dismissing you. And you've got all these problems. Isn't their whole point to do no harm and to help you? If they're not doing that, what's the point? Like you have better things to spend your money on. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And corn is absolutely in everywhere. It's um, it's even a maple syrup. People don't know this. It's used as a defomer. Um, really? You can have corn, oh dairy, gosh. or sunflower. You, those are the top three within the industry that are used. Even um, beeswax is in maple syrup and it's never on the label. There's so much not on wow. the label that it's um, insane. And it makes living with specific food allergies really difficult. And like you said, there's no resources for it. Like if you're in the top, like either top eight, nine, 10, 12, 14, depending on the country, there's resources. Like, mm-hmm. please believe me, there are absolutely resources on that. Um, it doesn't mean that the resources meet your needs, yes. but it's not zero either. Once you have multiples, we find that like more than three majors or a lot of less commons, you're just, you're like a sitting duck yeah. and nobody's got anything. And, and that's really where we kind of change things up. I'd like to think of myself as a disruptor, right? I'm going to disrupt <laughs> it all and change it. Um, okay. So how do we manage a mixed allergy household? So right now it's different than when the kids were little. So I'll focus on when the kids were little, because I think that's, what's going to help your audience the most. But um, number one, I'm a hyper-organized person by nature. So I never saw it as difficult. It was always easy for me. I know for a lot of people, this is actually one of the hardest things. So the best advice I can give is start with the greatest common denominator, right? If you have, we're going to, for the sake of this example, we're going to have three kids with three different allergy sets. Everything you purchase has to meet all of their needs at once. Okay. Whether it be a snack, a raw material, anything, everything, even if it's corn, right? Now cost is involved. So you're going to have to sacrifice. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Mm. Um, If you're the more severe, the allergy, the more expensive it is. It's an unfortunate truth because you probably fall within the 30% who can't do shared equipment, which means now you're purchasing extra special food. And if you're dealing with corn, you're dealing with raw materials. So it's going to cost you a lot of time mm-hmm. and you're going to be making a lot of food from scratch. You're going to have to invest in an extra freezer. There are a lot of investments that you're going to have to make. A lot of special tools you're going to have to buy, but at no point in your child's life will you watch them thrive and say, I regret this. It's not going to happen. So it is a sacrifice that you need to make. Um, you know, it's interesting because for us, it's like, um, you know, we, we never had like a new car, really. I mean, I had a car payment for a while, but, um, you know, it was like back in the day. It was an older car. Well, it wasn't old. I mean, I bought a new, but you get the idea. Um, you know, I think I was probably the only female you'd ever meet with two pairs of shoes. I literally had two pairs of sneakers <laughs> and that was it. Uh, we didn't buy new clothes. It wasn't a thing. We didn't vacation, really you know, we, we spearheaded everything into food. And interestingly, in our case, you know, we were spending thousands of dollars a month on medical. And for two of our kids, I said, no, this is, this is insanity. 
because um, there's something wrong here. There's a root cause. And like we were talking about before, getting to the root cause of things and me loving science and being like a total nerd, I definitely wanted to get to the bottom of it. And we basically went from spending thousands on medical to thousands on food and we never had to spend money on medical. You know, the one example I give, and it always shocks people, in one year combined, the four kids had over, I think, 300 doctor's appointments, 400 doctor's appointments, some crazy number of doctor's appointments wow. combined. And then the following year, after I switched everybody's food, four. We wow. went from hundreds to four, okay? And obviously, no two people are the same. My story won't be your story. But we know that air, water, food, medicine absolutely has an impact on people. And it's something that we're not teaching in schools. We're not putting on the mainstream media. We're not talking about in you know, magazines and newspapers, we're just talking about like all this other stuff that kind of feels like noise sometimes. And we're not teaching people how to nourish themselves, right? There's so much more to food than just grabbing a pack of Oreo cookies and, and picking out in front of the TV, right? I'm not saying you can't have an Oreo. Please don't misread that. Um, I think people should eat cake, cookies, and candy and ice cream. I just think you should do the better for you version, right? I don't think we should be polluting our bodies. I think that we should be nourishing them as most as much as we can and, you know, understanding root causes and how that all works. So how did we manage? Um, I started with the greatest common denominator and worked my way back from there. Um, everything was color-coded uh, so that the kids could have a form of independence. We had very strict rules in place. Um, there wasn't a lot in our house that you could get in trouble for, but you would get in so much trouble if you um, took something from someone else's snack bin or if you put something in their snack bin. Mm -hmm. right? That was considered really bad. You could only give a snack you didn't want to an adult. Um, so everything was color-coded, had their names on it. Um, everybody had, had their own things. And um, it was very funny one day because our youngest, who does not have a diagnosed food allergy, but she definitely has something as a teenager that we have to deal with regularly. She says to her brothers, I wish I got special food like you guys. And all at once they all said, no, we want to eat your food. It was so funny because she was so used to everything being special for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to be special too. I'm like, kid, if I got to deal with one more special kid, I'm going to lose my mind. So uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. So um, it's, it's been quite the journey. Um, obviously we had to navigate class parties. I was a very involved class parent. Um, very involved and made sure that everything was peachy. You know, I was the kind of parent who had teachers' cell phone numbers and we would text each other and they would let me know if there was anything going on at school. You know, um, we did not have a 504 plan because our kids were in private school, but it helped that their grandparents founded the school. So we were like in the good graces of all the teachers. And um, <laughs> I don't like, we kind of got what we wanted. It was nice. But, you know, the school, I think, I think in a way the school sort of learned through us how to help other allergy families as well. So that was kind of cool as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been quite the journey. And unfortunately, so they're not my biological children, I should say that, because a lot of people, they often wonder. Um, but their dad, he's allergic to coconut. Now, sometimes you'll hear, oh, you can't be allergic to coconut and tree nuts. Guess what he's allergic to? Two things, you ready? Coconut, macadamia, that's it, okay? <laughs> so I like to tell people, please don't say that. No two people are the same, mm -hmm. right? You can be allergic to anything in any combination. And so with him being allergic to coconut and kid two being allergic to dairy, like anaphylactic severe allergic to dairy, everything dairy-free, especially back then, was all coconut-based. Yeah. So if you can imagine trying to feed two people with essentially opposing allergies 
one meal, hot freaking dog, man. It was so hard. I had to reinvent basically every wheel because I'd either, I had two choices, cook everything twice or reinvent once. So I was like, I'm just going to reinvent this. This is crazy. Mm. Um, and then of course, when you're in a mixed allergy household, you have to separate. And the number one piece of advice I can give you is non-stick remembers. Just remember that if nothing else. Mm. Non-stick things can hold on to food, even if it goes to the dishwasher. Technically, everything can hold on to the food. Um, but non-stick, cutting boards, those are the things you really have to look out for. Sponges, believe it or not, especially if you have by hands. Imagine this. Um, think of glitter, right? If you cover a dish in glitter and then grab your sponge, sponge it off, you have glitter on your sponge. And then if you take said glitter sponge and then sponge the thing without glitter, guess what's on the thing without glitter? Yeah. Glitter right? Um, it's the best way to help people visualize. And so you have to separate. So in our kitchen, we had the, the largest cabinet, which was under the stove, had everything in red. We actually let the kids pick the color. Um, originally, it wasn't color-coded, the, the cooking pans, but as they got older and they were old enough to really cook independently, um, one of the kids actually said, I'm afraid to cook in the kitchen. And I was like, how come? And they were like, I never know which pans to use. And I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry because I'm hyper organized and I have a memory like no other. Um, for me, it was easy. I knew what to take and what not to take. So from that moment, we, even though things were divided, we had a different cabinet for them. They still were afraid. So the kids got to choose. It also helped that our stove blew up. It was kind of funny, not funny. We were all scared to death. It was hilarious. It just went one day, the light just like superheated and the whole stove just went boom. And we were all like, Oh my goodness. Like we were all scared. Right. <laughs> It's hilarious. Um, so we had to get a new stove, which turns out it was induction. And so we had to buy new pans. So it worked out really well. And the kids picked red means stop and think. So everything that's the greatest common denominator is red. Red pans, red pots. We take markers and we color code the cooking spoons in red. Like everything is red. Red colander, red lids, like everything is red. I kid you not. And then everybody else has like these random colors. It's kind of weird. It's like a cacophony, but um, it's, it's a lot of organizing. You know, we have a separate refrigerator for major allergens that stay outside of the main kitchen. We technically have like three kitchens. We have our main kitchen. We have what I call the front room kitchen where there's like a fridge, more cooking appliances, a pantry. And then we have the outside kitchen for foods that I am airborne allergic to that have to be cooked outside like pasta and things like that. Um, and it's rice pasta. I'm severely anaphylactic, airborne allergic to rice. Um, oh, wow. But of course, for the greatest common denominator, rice pasta makes the most sense. So mm -hmm. it's it's another one of those hoops that our family jumps through that not your family's going to have to jump through. But um, it's pretty crazy some days, you know. And uh, we've had to invest a lot of money in food. And, you know, speaking of investment, for people listening with young children, one of the biggest tips I can give you once you have the diagnosis, I want you to start a bank account and you're going to put $20 a month into this bank account. You're not going to touch it. And when your kid is 18 and they want to go off to university or they want to move out, maybe be like at 20 or whatever, right? You're going to gift them every appliance that they need because mm -hmm. believe it or not, 20 bucks a month turns out to be a KitchenAid and a Nutramilk and a Vitamix and a every expensive appliance they won't be able to afford when they want to leave home. And maybe you've got kids, other kids at home that need those appliances. So you literally can't afford to send off your appliances. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that's really overlooked in our community because it is expensive if you want to move out. 
Um, Because it's not just moving out. It's how do I feed myself safely with nothing to start with? And that's how you do it. 20 bucks a month. And even if you can't do 20, do 10. Because maybe you can get them at least mid-range quality um, appliances, you know? That's a great piece of advice. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to start that. I'm going to start a fund yeah, for our with corn. corn you have to with, with corn free kids, make it $50 a month. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I, I want to ask you then your best advice for the mom who's listening, who maybe their kiddo just got diagnosed. Maybe they're really young or maybe they're even much older what is your advice for kind of the newly diagnosed with food allergies other than the other than the $20 a month, which I think is a fantastic idea? Where do you recommend they start? All right. Three things. Number one, I want you to um, feel sorry for yourself. I want you to actually grieve the loss. A lot of people don't talk about this, but um, whether you are the diagnosee or you are the parent, you've lost something important. We live in a culture no matter what country you live in, every culture revolves around food and holidays and food. And, oh, somebody's born. Let's make food. Somebody died. Let's have food. Oh, we have this event. Let's bring food. Oh, we're getting together. Bring food. Like everything is about food. And now you're suddenly excluded from most of your culture, but no matter what your culture is, right? I need you to grieve that loss. It, acknowledge it. Might take you a few days, right? Cry about it. Scream about it, right? Be mad. Go through the stages because it is a real tangible loss. Your entire life is about to change. You know, you've not only got to change the way you live, but um, for some of you, you have to like literally throw out half your kitchen and start over, you know, overnight. It's a big deal. Nobody talks about it, but it is a big deal. The next thing you're going to do, and this is specifically if you're the diagnosee, um, you're going to whatever kind of, like most people are a sweet tooth. And the idea is that you're going to eat something sweet, even if it's as basic as a date. Because once you grieve the loss, even before you grieve the loss, the first thing everybody thinks of, and it's universal, I don't care what you're allergic to, even if it's just black pepper, the first thing you think about is everything you can't have. Yeah. Oh, I can't have, oh, what about, oh, the, uh, like they literally go through these lists of everything they can't have. So if you are a sweet person, you're going to eat something sweet, even if it's as simple as a date, because you're going to trigger this reaction in your brain to say, no, 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 shut up, brain. I can still have. Check it out. I just ate this. It was sweet. It was great. In fact, I'm going to eat five more. Um, and you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to indulge in it. If you're a savory person, even if it's as simple as sprinkling Himalayan sea salt, which I kid you not, tastes like popcorn on your tongue. It's bizarre. At least to me, it does. Um, at least what I think popcorn used to taste like. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you sprinkle it on and, and you feel like this little hit in your brain. That's what you're going to do. Because you need to tell yourself up front, this is not the end of the world, Right. And, and what I want you to remember is that, and I know this sounds bizarre, but just hang on to me for just a minute. This is not hard. It's inconvenient. It's time consuming. It is not hard. If I gave you a 500 pound stone and told you to push it up a hill, that's hard. Hot dog, that's hard. Okay, it's gonna roll back down some. You're gonna scrape your knees. You're gonna be kind of mad at me. It's hard. It's physically hard. Unless you're like one of those really cool bodybuilder dudes, in which case it's just practice. For the rest of us, it's hard. Inconvenient? Absolutely. You got to read labels. You got to do these things. You got to do all these tasks, which, you know, inherently are not difficult tasks, but they are time consuming. They're inconvenient. And if you mess up, 
it can cause harm. So there's like this stressor, right? Now, we use the word hard to describe it, but I like to help people shift their mindsets. I don't want you waking up thinking every day, my life is hard. I need you waking up every day saying, I can do this. It's not easy, but I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to make it happen. Because when you can do that, you find joy in your kitchen. You don't resent your diagnosis. We meet with so many people who end up resenting their children. And for those people, I have to say, you need therapy. Like, I can give you some tips right now, but I actually need you to get yourself in therapy right now for the sake of your child. And I know you're a good person. The fact that you're trying to work on it tells me you're a good person, right? And I'm not judging you. The problem is, is your mindset. You're so hell bent on thinking. Sorry if I said that word, Um, but you're so bent on thinking this is so hard that you're now attaching those feelings to your child and you're resenting said child. And unfortunately this happens with pretty much any kid with a diagnosis that's incredibly complex, right? Yeah. People start to resent that kid and that diagnosis. You can't, you've got to flip the switch and find the joy. You have to, this is their life. This is the rest of their life. And while they are a child under 10 who legitimately depend on you for every single meal, they need you on your A-game and you can't be on your A-game if you're hating it, right? Yeah. We have to find a way to enjoy it. And that comes with flipping the switch. It comes with, you know, having experiences with your kids. In fact, I just did an allergy seminar on our website about this on how you can have fun with food with your children, you know, playing dress up and pretending to be food critics and eating safe food and just comparing safe food and being like, you know, are you tasting the hint of salt there? Oh, and you're, you know, you're teaching your kid like food language and And you're just having fun, you know, or having like tea parties with their safe food or, you know, teaching them how to bake and let them lick the spoon and all these little experiences that you can give your child if you're not resenting them. If you're resenting them, you are in no shape or form mentally to provide them this experience. It'll be too hard for you, right? And so that's, that's the thing about having to go through the process. Okay. I totally got off track. Step three, there was actually three pieces of advice. Um, Step three is to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get busy finding solutions. The solutions are not going to find themselves like for you. The solutions are not going to fall out of the sky, right? It's not going to be like raining safe food. You're going to have to put work in. Remember, it's not hard, but it's inconvenient, but you're gonna have to do a lot of work that you are probably not prepared to do. But the nice thing is there are resources now, right? Um, I'm a resource. If you have nothing, if you have nowhere else to start, go to theallergychef.com. There, I gave you a starting point, right? We're going to get you somewhere. And so um, that's it. It's that one, two, three. Feel sorry for yourself and grieve the loss. Have something sweet or savory for people who need savory. Um, And then pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get busy doing because you are your child's sword and shield. And, And that's, I guess that's the other underlying piece of advice I have to give parents who don't have a food allergy. If you won't feed your child rat poison, please don't feed them what they're allergic to. Don't experiment on them. Wait for fully informed consent because if your child cannot say these words back to you verbatim, my head still hurts from the food you gave me four hours ago. Don't experiment on your child. Assume the diagnosis is true and make the sacrifices and work hard at keeping your kid at neutral and getting them to a point where they can thrive. Because when your child is not neutral, they will struggle. Even if you don't see it, if they don't have quick and obvious reactions, like I can't breathe, you're not seeing the digestive distress. You're not seeing the behavior disorders. You're not seeing the rage or the depression or all the other things that can come with food that no one tells you about. Yeah. I'm telling you, it happens. It's not talked about. I actually don't know why. Maybe I need to change that too, but it happens. So I need you to know 
there are things going on under the surface you don't see. And we don't want that happening to your child because we don't want a misdiagnosis on top of all of this and your kid on some other weird pill that they actually don't need because of whatever, you know? So go through the motions, do the things, and then get your kid involved because they have to be involved for the rest of their life. So give them the joy that they need in that kitchen. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And it's so true that there are so many symptoms that we don't realize could be food. And that's where it's crazy. It's trippy that my eight-year-old now, the other day she came home from Girl Scouts and Girl Scouts keeps coming up. She loves Girl Scouts. Um, But she came home and she was like, I want to go to bed. And normally we all sit down and have dinner together as a family. I had like made one of her favorite dinners. We made like a homemade cashew cream sauce with um, some chickpea pasta, all things that she could eat and she loves and some roasted broccoli. And I'm like, this is like your favorite thing. And she was like, no, I'm just, I don't, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And we're like, okay. So she went to bed and she woke up the next morning and I was like, what's going on? She's like, I had a headache. And I was like, oh, like we're, we're kind of, we're a little worried about her eyesight. I have glasses I have since I was eight. Um, and we, she's, she has a, she has an appointment with the eye doctor. So we're taking care of it. Um, but we're, we're kind of wondering if it's because she's reading more, if she's having issues with her eyes. But we also realized she was like, well, I think I had some corn at Girl Scouts. I was like, yeah. oh, and she's like, I yeah, I didn't really like check or anything. And I had hummus and pretzels and I was like, okay. Yeah. And she, within a couple hours and she recognized, she's like, I had a headache. I was tired. I didn't feel good. Yeah. And it's crazy when they get to the age and they start to recognize it. And then uh, I'm like, then I feel bad. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have like, I didn't realize there were snacks. I should have sent you with something. Of course there are snacks. It's like dinner time when they have, but it's so interesting when they get to that age, but before they get to that age, like you said, you don't know necessarily that they're having these reactions. They can't tell you. You've got the perfect example because, you know, I, I unfortunately have had to become an advocate of children who are under the ages of eight to 10, eight to 10 is usually when they can really feel it and talk about it. Um, That's why I always just lean towards the age of 10, but um, that's when they can say, this is hurting me. And sometimes they're not even able to say it's because of the food, but they can at least tell you that they're having the symptoms so that you as the adult can start making the connections and keep the food journal. Um, what you're describing, I call them pass out naps. I actually suffer mm. from this a lot. Um, sometimes it's like you're sitting there and within five minutes of eating, it's like, I cannot keep my eyes open. If I don't lay down, I'm going to die. Yeah. Like that's how bad it is. And I just, I have to go to sleep. Like, yeah. and it's, it makes functioning really difficult because like, I'll suddenly be asleep from, you know, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then, of course, you can't sleep at night. So you're up until like three o'clock in the morning. And then you're like, oh, I should probably get some work done and be productive. So you're like typing out blog posts at 2 a.m., right? Um, (laughs) It's bizarre. And so, but some people as adults don't recognize these symptoms in their children. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize, my kid just randomly needed a nap and they don't see the connection. Or my kid is having a meltdown. They don't see the connection. I do. You know, I was actually with someone once and they fed their kids something and then their kids started having a meltdown. And I'm like, you said they were allergic to corn, right? And they were like, yeah. And they were kind of new to it. And I'm like, that lollipop probably has corn in it. And the parent was like, I didn't know. And after that, they got back to me later and they were like, I started noticing more, you know, food connections to meltdowns. Yeah. I'm like, there you go. You know, and I try not to overstep and tell people how to parent their kids. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not going to let a two-year-old suffer because a parent doesn't see the connection. You know, like yeah, you're just I'll say it as nicely as I can, but yeah, 
You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think I realized. I, no, I definitely didn't realize. So I have struggled with digestive issues pretty much my entire life since I was about my daughter's age, my older daughter's age. Um, and so I have dealt with, you know, food sensitivities on and off personally, but I don't think I realized the neurobehavioral connection to food sent and until my mother-in-law started describing my husband's first symptoms with corn. They were neurobehavioral as well as some digestive type stuff, um, but primarily neurobehavioral when he was really young. And then my daughter started experiencing the same thing. And it's so, like, when you start making that connection, it's absolutely insane because you're like, you can pinpoint it to the yep. moment she ate the food and then how much longer after. And, yep. and I actually have the same, the same, like the pass out reaction, you called it to potatoes. I can't oh. eat white potatoes. It's like an ads, like an, an hour ish after. And all of a sudden the first time it ever happened, it freaked me out. Cause I was driving <clears throat> and oh, I had to pull wow. over because That's I awful. felt like I was going to pass out. And I like, st- I was like shaking. I like called my dad. I was like, I think I like need you to come and pick me up because <laughs> I'm like, I can't, it's insane. And so since then, I mean, I, I will eat them on a very rare occasion, but I don't, eat- and it's only if somebody else is driving or whatever. Um, Cause thankfully it's not anaphylactic, but I've, I've learned too. I'm like, I don't even eat them okay, really occasionally here's, anymore. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing about that though. A pass yeah. out nap, as I call it, um, combined with something else, usually technically counts as anaphylaxis yeah because anaphylaxis because you're essentially too... because it's within the four hour window yeah and you're essentially passing out yeah if it's combined with another major organ system so eyes ent um gi tract stomach etc yeah and it's technically anaphylaxis yeah oh my gosh i don't even think of it like that because i think of anaphylaxis most as people respiratory, right? but i did know most that it's people, too yeah most people think organ systems yeah epipen i can't breathe Anaphylaxis technically is defined as a major reaction involving um, either like essentially a fatality type reaction with one system. So that's where the respiratory comes in. Like, because if you can't breathe and that's the only symptom, you still can't breathe and that's fatal. But then if it's non-fatal anaphylaxis, essentially two major organ systems are more involved, usually with a major type of reaction. So it could be hives all over the body and your eyes swelling. Okay. That's two major symptoms. It's not fatal, but it's two major symptoms. So it's considered anaphylaxis. So essentially in the four hour window, a pass out nap plus something else, you're essentially that's, it's a crossover between lethargy and passing out. It's somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. But you're passing out. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. I know over the years, it was about like four years ago that it first happened. And well, yeah, I think my, I'm trying to think about how old my kids are and when it happened. And, you know, for the, for like two straight years, I had none. Cause I was like, that was terrifying. I'm never doing that yeah. again. And I recognized yeah. it was the food immediately. Cause it was the only thing that's different. I don't really like potatoes, thankfully. So I didn't, you know, and I'm fine with sweet potatoes, but white potatoes, I can't. And since then, you know, I'll have them like twice a year and I'm, I'm so far, I still feel terrible, but I've eaten them. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to rethink that. Cause I'm like, if it is technically anaphylaxis, if I have those, well, I'm I mean, like, that's this is not good for my systems right? right like yeah the pass out nap on its own one could argue be, yeah Lawrence yes yeah. but um because because you're in the four-hour window that's where it's hard right because yeah we define food allergy as from the moment of contact to four hours the symptoms within there is usually defined as allergy outside the four-hour window we usually define it as intolerance however depending on the reaction within the four-hour window it's sometimes defined as um, intolerance. And it has to do with, there are more than, so we know IgE, right? IgE mediated food allergies. Those are the ones that can cause anaphylaxis. There's actually five IgEs. So depending on which IgE has been activated, 
that mm-hmm. determines allergy versus intolerance. Now I'm jumping into like the science of it all. And then you I have complicate complex cases where it's like mast cell, where you essentially, for lack of a better word, you're mimicking anaphylaxis, but it's not like it is an allergy, but it's not, it's more histamine based. Mm-hmm. And um, there's more science behind mast cell and you can still need an EpiPen, but the, the hallmark of mast cell is that you can eat a food safely on Monday and by Friday, you're essentially fully allergic to it. Mm. It's crazy. With mast cell, you are basically a high rolling gambler every day. It's insanity. It's crazy. Now there's more treatment for mast cell than there is for other stuff because they can put you on blockers and Mm -hmm. try to bring down the body's response. And then um, from there, a lot of people try to work on root causes because most people are not born with mast cell. It is so rare to be born with it or have it as a child. Mm-hmm. It's usually developed over time. And so there's usually like a root cause, believe it or not, for a lot of people, it's like mold, um, mm. different things like that. Yeah. So it's like, you have to like completely shift your lifestyle and then your mast cell symptoms start to wane and and you can sort of get back to semi-normal living. And um, some people see up to 80% improvement just on the blockers and then they do root cause improvement and um, they're like a whole new person. But um, yeah, it's wild. And, and I I like to see food allergy, you know, I like to say restricted diet to be quite honest with you, because it's more than just food allergy at this point. And because I have so many symptoms and so many foods I have to avoid and I can't drink water. It's like, I literally see us all. And so I I just see like this tree. Right. And the, um, the core of the tree is the word restricted diet. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these branches, whether it be food allergy, food intolerance, type one diabetes, type two diabetes, um, a sugar intolerance, you know, all these other conditions, right? We have special diets like paleo and keto that were really designed for medical treatment originally um, mm-hmm. to treat certain medical conditions. And that is still a dietary restriction, right? It's yeah. a restricted diet due to a medical need. So it's like, I see us all in, in one giant boat. And the mm-hmm. unfortunate thing about our communities is um, a lot of people don't. They're like, yeah. well, I'm paleo. Well, I'm vegan. Well, I'm this. And I'm like, you know, you're all like restricted diets, right? But, yeah. yeah. It's hard for, it's hard for everyone just in different ways. Right. Yeah. It is. yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's so, I think this is just really, this is such a great conversation to bring to light the, there's so many different reactions that your kids might be experiencing. It's always worth exploring and re or yourself. I shouldn't just say your kids. We're kind of talking about families here, but well, and I have, yourself, to, I have to right? interject and say this, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you said something so important, but I need people listening to know this as well. Previous reactions do not predict future reactions. Mm. If you have a child with any form of allergy reaction, do not continue to feed them the food, period. Hard stop, no buts, no nothing. Because just because it wasn't anaphylaxis today does not mean or guarantee or promise it won't be tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Now, can we usually sort of get an idea of what a reaction looks like? Absolutely. You know, if your child always has skin reactions, we can generally guess that your child will have a skin reaction, but that does not take anaphylaxis off the table. Mm-hmm. I need listening to know that. Yeah. Um, I've, I'm the perfect example. I have developed airborne allergic reactions that are, you know, pushing into the severe levels to different things over time. It did not start out that way. Yeah. Previous reactions do not determine future ones. Sorry. I just, I had to jump in and say that because it's like, no, I appreciate that. Don't yeah. know that. Yeah. And they think, oh, well, it's not a big deal. And then one day it really is. And they're like, what yeah. happened? Like, well, you essentially primed the body to get worse and worse and worse. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I that I think that is so important. And it's really it's making me rethink too. I mean, even though I'm like, oh, I mean, I can yeah, have maybe you should stop eating potatoes. I'm, like, I'm thinking about these potatoes and I'm kind of going <laughs> like I will I, I promise I will stop. Yeah, like at first potatoes. I wasn't thinking it, but now I'm like I think she should stop eating those potatoes. Stop eating potatoes. Yeah. I mean, it's so rare for me that I do, but I'm like, no, it it does make me think. And it does remind me that for myself or for other women listening or for kids, it can be worse the next time. And gosh, I can't imagine what would be worse than me almost passing out while I'm driving. So, I mean, that in and of itself is terrible. And so, yeah, I think it is important that we're having this conversation because even though the solution isn't for most people with food allergies, sensitivities, intolerances, whatever level you're at, for the most part, it's not as easy as, you know, maybe even with, with mast cell, you can go, you can take blockers. You can, there's some sort of solution for people with allergies. It's, it's avoiding it. And that's the hardest part is is what we're talking about is exactly. Even if you do do OIT, which is oral immunotherapy, even if you pass OIT, they don't say you're cured. They say you're in remission. There's Mm, an important distinction there. Because there was a child recently who died. For, um, she had passed OIT and then lost the tolerance. Literally, yeah. just she was doing the maintenance doses, woke up, lost tolerance, and died. And, wow. and this is not yeah. an uncommon story within OIT. There yeah. are fully grown adults sharing their stories online saying, I woke up one day, I lost tolerance. It can happen yeah. today. And so, and that's not to say you shouldn't explore OIT, if, especially if, you know, I see a lot of parents who their child is anaphylaxis and they're so afraid of like, their child dying from the smallest amount of contact. And yeah. so to them, OIT is a way to say, if they get a tiny amount of exposure, at least I know they won't die, right? Right. Yeah. And I think that's admirable. I, I think it's a very scary choice to make. And it's it's a very difficult program to go through. It's anxiety inducing to the max, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're doing that in hopes to eliminate the chance of death. And I totally get it. But always remember, you still have to carry the EpiPen. You're only mm-hmm. in remission until you're not. And that doesn't mean that'll happen to you, but it also means it doesn't happen to you. So it's, yes. Yeah. It's a 50, 50. It, it's, it really is a gamble. If you continue to try to expose yourself to the foods where the only cure is hundred percent avoidance. Yeah. Okay. This is a good segue then. How do you know what foods are safe to eat and what are your best tips for finding safe foods? I know you have an incredible resource for recipes, but in terms of like shopping at the grocery store, how do you know? And I guess, give me your best tips for the okay, mom who does so have a kid with a food allergy or they have them. It's it's a few things. Number one, you have to know which group you're in, right? There's the 30% group and the 70% group. We've polled a lot of people. This is not an official number. I'm going to tell you this number one. I cannot back this up with any poll of more than a couple thousand people. But every time I do it, I get the same percentages roughly. So I say 30 and 70 about 30% of people with food allergies cannot eat food made on shared equipment with what they're allergic to. Mm-hmm. The other 70%, they're fine. Okay. So you have to know which group you're in. How do you know which group you're in? If you buy a product, which on the label reads as you're clear to eat this product and you react to the product, there's a good chance you're in the 30%. Mm-hmm. If you are eating a product regularly and one day start reacting to said product, you're probably in the 30% group you were just getting clean batches and you didn't know it. And then you got a bad batch and then it it hit you. If you go to someone's house and they prepare food for you using safe ingredients for you and you react, you're probably in the 30% group, okay? Those are the general ways you would know if you're 30 versus 70. Different advice for both groups, by the way. That's why I had to define that up front. For the 70% group, you're learning how to read labels. 
you are maybe calling companies depending on the allergic issue. Okay. If you are in the top um, eight, nine, 10, 12, 14, depending on your country, well, actually, depending on your country too. Do you know some countries, they don't even have to label stuff a certain way? That really kind of gets to me. Like, I'm mind blown. Like, there, I actually have a blacklist of countries I would never live in based on their food allergy practices. Wow. It's actually kind of crazy. Um, I won't even consider visiting. I'm like, no, why would I do that? You wouldn't That's be able to life. eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so if you're in the 70% group, usually reading a label isn't enough, okay? Um, let's say you're in the 30% group. You're finding a product, you're taking a picture of it on your phone, going home, and you're either going to email the company or call the company, and you're going to get all the details. You're going to ask about shared equipment, shared facility, processing aids, things that aren't on the label. We actually have resources on our website that actually, I actually take you through for an hour all the different scenarios of how to call a company and what kind of responses you might get, how to respond to them, et cetera. Um, if a company gives you the runaround, you don't eat the food. It's not worth it. Yeah. Right. If you can't get a straight answer or if they tell you something like that's proprietary, politely tell them, well, this is my life and I'm not going to buy your product. And by the way, I'll make sure to let my friends know not to buy it either. Thanks. Mm. Okay. But be super nice about it. Don't be mean. Um, and so if you're in the 30%, you're jumping through a lot of hoops before you even try the product. Now, for those who are super paranoid, you can do what I like to call the poison test. Um, think about what you would do if you were like stranded in the woods and you found some berries. Obviously, you're not supposed to eat them first, right? You're supposed to rub it on your skin, see how it works out, and then do the process. So you would do like a poison test and see if you can tolerate the food. If you pass the test, eat the food. You can start with a small amount and then increase the amount. If you're a complex case, you're going to do this for seven days until you're eating like a double-sized portion by the end of the week. If you are completely still at neutral, you've passed, eat the food. And if at any point you failed, you failed, you stopped the test, right? Mm -hmm. So it's different advice for both groups. Um, how do you know if it's safe? You have zero reactions. So before you're even trialing foods, you have to be at what we call neutral, which means nothing. You're clear mentally, you're clear physically, like your GI and restroom and sleep, all of it's clear. You're perfectly fine. That's neutral. That's the definition of neutral, right? Most people aren't, by the way, but you have to be either at neutral or as close as humanly possible to neutral. That's the only time you start trials. And you're keeping food journals. You're being very, very, very aware of what's going on. Not to the point where like you stress yourself out and give yourself a complex and induce like anxiety, which can then look like a food allergy, but it's not. So it's a fine line. Um, I'm really lucky, I suppose, in that I'm very detached from my diagnosis mentally. Like I kind of don't care. Like, oh, there's a reaction, cool, write it down, move on. Um, whereas other people, they're just like freaking out and panicking over it. And I'm kind of like, been there, done that, got the shirt. I'm moving on. So um, if you can like sort of kind of give yourself a mental buffer, whatever that means to you, you need to. Um, because it's it's really hard if you're freaking out all the time to really subjectively deal with this problem. Okay. So once you've determined what's safe, eat it, enjoy it, right? Um, if you are in a severe boat, you know, sunflower, for example, which is a processing aid so much. Oh my goodness. Or coconut. My goodness. If you are coconut free and you try to eat healthily, like every health food is like coconut oil, coconut oil, coconut oil, coconut oil, coconut. Like everything is coconut, you know? Um, you know, if you're dairy free, it's all coconut. If you're dairy free, nut free and coconut free, woo, you're in trouble, right? It's all, it's all the things. So um, it's making sure that you're getting food that's safe for you. And it's a process. 
you know, one of the resources that we have on Raise is we have what we call safe product guides, where we've already made thousands of phone calls. You know, it's still a guide. You still have to follow up because, you know, we can publish a guide today and then six months later, the answer is different. Yeah. So we always tell people that up front. But if you don't see a company here that you might've seen in the grocery store thinking that's safe, there's probably a reason it's not on our list, right? Because mm-hmm. our list, I'm always catering to the 30. I have to say that up front. I don't care. I mean, technically I cater to the 70 because I cater to the 30, but the 70 can eat way more than the 30. Yeah. But if I can feed the 30, I can feed everybody. And so that's who I cater to. So our lists revolve around free from equipment, right? So if I'm telling you it's safe for the 30, it's automatically safe for the 70, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, so that's, you know, it's, but it's, I don't even want to say hard. It's just time consuming. You know how many phone calls I've had to make? Yeah. Do you know how many companies don't call me back? There's one company who I'm not going to name, but I might one day on social media. They've ignored all my phone calls and all my emails. I'm like, dude, just email me back and tell me, you know? Yeah. But, oh, oh I can't. that's awful. <laughs> okay. On that same line then. I kind of, I would love if you have any companies that like stand out to you that are like, okay, this is an awesome company for like maybe the top nine, whatever yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, of you think. Do you I have any companies you where you're like, yeah, these are, these are reliable <laughs> that you okay. found. Um, if you find yourself in my situation and can't drink water, go to raw water summit spring. Brian is the coolest dude ever. And he will help you out like legit get in touch. That's where you need to go. Um, because corn is in everything, including the processing of water, including municipal sources. And if you are like me and you can't have any form of water, including like, oh, so-and-so said this water filter. Nope. Guess what? There's corn in that filter too. So um, raw water, Summit Spring has the only exemption in the United States to not treat the water. Believe it or not, every bottled water has been treated, even if it doesn't say it on the package. Wow. It has. So um, that's kind of a big deal. Now that I got that out of the way. Um, okay. Top companies. Zigo Foods, they make um, bars, they have a muesli, they have oats, which are purity protocol. And uh, I think they have a couple other things, but top nine for you, all that sort of good stuff. Gluten-free Harvest, they do gluten-free purity protocol oats. They're also corn-free, kind of a big deal. Now, 25% of people with celiac disease can't do oats. If you're in the 25, obviously you can't have oats, but if you're everybody else, they're the best oats you can get. Um, let's see, Partake Foods, they even have more, they used to only be cookies. Now they have like a pizza dough and a pancake mix and a, I don't know, something else too. Oh, brownie mix. Kid Force Wars by the brownies. She says the brownies are like the bomb.com. <laughs> um, Blake's Seed Free makes a top nine free Rice Krispie bar and top nine free equipment is pretty bomb.com. I'm not going to lie. The kids don't like the, um, seed bars, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't buy them. You should try them at least once. Our kids don't like them, but they will gobble up the Rice Krispie bars in a heartbeat. Uh, 88 Acres, they make a range of products now. They used to only be bars, but now they even have like salad dressings and marinades and they have seed butters and all sorts of things. Uh, Sun Butter, two words, believe it or not. They make uh, an organic, a non-organic, and a crunchy, and it's a peanut alternative and it's top nine free equipment. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite brands. The Honest Bison and North Star Bison for people who are severely allergic to corn who need corn-free meat. The processing of meat also contains corn, so it's yeah. like a big deal to not have processed corny meat. With the Honest Bison, they'll only get the bison and the ground bite. Like, don't get anything seasoned. Mm. Just get, like, straight meat. Um, and the same with North Star. You can't get anything seasoned. It has to just be straight meat. 
Spicely Organics, one of the top brands ever. Pretty much every other spice brand is using shared equipment with something within the top eight. Mm. And um, and it's a corn-free brand. There's no anti-caking agents. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Celtic sea salt and Redmond salt for people who are corn allergic because they're salt and corn. I know. Salt and mm. corn. Redmond is our favorite in our house. <laughs> yeah. Great brand. Um, let me pull up my list. Hold on. Because there's, there's more that I'm not thinking of that I know that I should be thinking of and... Um, no, I love this. It's going to be so helpful. I'm I'm going to send everyone to your list too, so they can they can actually get the list for themselves. I'm like, okay, I've got to write all these all right. down, and I'm going to link uh, them. See. But my <laughs> I'll top link your top. Oh, no way! Chocolates. That's my top favorite. Like, okay, they make fake M and M's. You guys, dairy free, top eight free, sesame free, fake M and M's. It is the coolest thing ever. That's because awesome. you can't make it at home. There are certain brands that I love because they make things commercially that you you cannot make a hard coated candy shell at home. Yeah. You need literally thousands of dollars worth of equipment it's ridiculous nobody's gonna do it they did it's so cool and they make travels too for people with um food allergies and it's top nine free facility like it's super cool uh the piping gourmet they're pretty cool they make like whoopie pies Mm. uh sold in freezer sections at some grocery stores and um i think those are my top picks for the day like i mean i could go on but those are those are legitimate. Oh, I love good. those. We will we will link those. We will link to your list. So you also mentioned kitchen tools, which is something I think that people don't think about a lot. So in terms of your food allergy kitchen, so you mentioned nonstick. So do you not use nonstick? What do you use instead? Like what are your okay, so we actually tools? use nonstick? I know okay. there's like a whole non-toxic living ban on nonstick, and I, I respect that. And one day I'll probably invest, but you guys, hundred dollars for a pan, like come on. I, I <laughs> I have to draw the line in the sand somewhere, you know, like I make ridiculous purchases all the time. I will admit that openly. I have a smoke gun. I have a professional whipped cream dispenser that was like $140, but I'm not spending a hundred dollars on one thing. Like I, <laughs> I don't know why either. That's the worst part. Um, and I think part, actually I do know why, because certain types of non-sticks are pre-seasoned and then I have to do a bunch of research on what kind of oils they're using and all this other mm. stuff, right? whole bunch more jump, hoops to jump through. And I'm a stickler. If it's not dishwasher safe or easily replaced, I don't buy it mm-hmm. because our kids still make mistakes in the kitchen. Like I had to throw away a pan last year or no a pot. It was a good one too. I didn't want to, but I had to, because mm-hmm. one of the kids um, thought they were cooking something that was safe. And it turns out it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was like not malicious, but when that happens, I'm like, Hey, it's not a big deal. And I throw it away. I move on because yeah. not remembers. And I, I cannot afford to have that mental stressor and stuff. And, um, Okay. Top kitchen tools. So it, it varies by diagnosis. I have to say that up front. And it also varies by family size. So for example, um, I oftentimes tell people get the commercial size KitchenAid, which costs more and all the parts cost a little bit more, but it's better quality. Like for example, the, um, the regular ones, the enamel that they put on the stuff, it actually comes off over time and then mm-hmm. it's in your food and that's super gross. Yeah. And I really get grossed out by it. Like sometimes I look at our, our small bowl thingy and I'm like, that's nasty. Somebody ate this at some point and I can't get past that. But with the commercial ones, it's all steel, right? Yeah. So you never have to worry about it. And so, um, but because it's bigger, you can double and triple batch, which means you can fill your freezer faster, which means easier free from living. That's why I recommend the larger one. So definitely a KitchenAid, especially if you're into baking. If you are any combination of dairy, nut, or corn-free, and in some cases, legume as well, and you can't do shared equipment, 
you must get a Nutri-Milk. It's got to be at the top of your list because you need to make milk at home safely. Mm. And then um, I would say a Vitamix. Do not skimp on your blender Mm -hmm. because you're going to want to be able to make things that require power. Um, Depending on your diagnosis, a food processor would be next. And then from there, it starts to branch out. Obviously, everybody's got to have pots and pans and different things like that. Um, stainless steel and glass, you usually don't have to replace unless it's really scratched. If it's heavily scratched, toss it out, start over. If it's not, you can keep using it. Um, if nothing else, you can give it to people who don't have the food allergies. Like if you were like us and you have like the separate cooking stations, you could put it in the other cooking station and replace it. Mm. And and we've done that. Um, I'm just looking around my kitchen, obviously every spice you can imagine. What's funny is there's this spice rack here and that holds, let's see. That holds 20, but then this entire cabinet right here, also completely full of spices. Yes. <laughs> There's three levels of spices. This cabinet here, two more level of different spices. And then this cabinet here holds all of our vinegars and acids. So like this entire section, I know everybody listening can't see this, but but you can see. Yes. Um, and it's all literally this entire L thingy behind me, all it. spices and flavoring agents. Um, I tell people, you know, the reason you don't like your food is either you're undersalting or you're underflavoring, right? Mm, yeah. We can get you to like your food that's safe and it can be delicious. You just, just roll with me, right? Um, if you love ice cream, you have to get an ice cream machine with the compressor. Okay. This is so important. And go to icecreamscience.com, read the review on the top three, and then pick one. I happen to have one of them. Um, I love it. And I almost bought a dip. Well, originally I had it picked between that one and then another one that happened to be one of the top three. And I was like, cool, my top picks were there. I fell prey to Amazon bad fake reviews like when it was still a new thing and nobody was talking about it. And my first one with a compressor was expensive and it broke within the first 30 days and then we couldn't return it. And then it doesn't work on hot days. And I'm like, what's the point? Piece of hunk of junk. So um, one day I got so fed up that I bought another one. They're expensive, you guys, three to $400. They're worth every penny. But for I ice regret. cream. <laughs> yeah. But, so here's the thing though. I love ice cream. And it's one of the few things I can make for myself safely. Mm. I love ice cream. Can I say that again? I love ice cream. So like I have a tool for making ice cream. Um, and that's kind of the overarching advice here is that you're going to focus on the tools that can create foods you love first and foremost. So if ice cream is your jam, that's at the top of your list. An ice cream machine with the compressor. Don't forget I said that part. It's so important. Um, if baking is your jam, the KitchenAid is your priority. If you love smoothies every single day, the Vitamix is your priority, right? So it just really depends on your needs and preferences. But eventually what you're going to end up with is a kitchen that's fully kitted out with everything that you could ever want. I mean, because we do recipe development, I'm sure we have tools that the average household doesn't have. Like we have a deep fryer with oil filtration. It's actually not even that expensive. It was like a hundred bucks. I mean, you'd expect it to be more, but no, it's a great deep fryer and it's got a filtering system so that you can keep reusing the oil. Cause that's always the biggest oh, thing cool. about um, yeah. deep fryers. People hate the oil waste. Well, you don't have to waste it anymore. Um, you know, we've got like a dehydrator and I'm embarrassed to say we have three kitchen aids. One was a gift though. I have to always <laughs> throw that in there. One was a gift. Um, we have the Nutri-Milk. We have an advanced water filter. We've got two refrigerators, two giant freezers, a double oven, a giant induction stove, every tool. We've literally got like a hundred cooking tools that sit on the countertop. Um, like double the normal amount of knives, at least 50 measuring spoons. And I'm not even exaggerating (laughs) Um, an air fryer, a deep fryer, a food processor, a spice grinder. We've got it all, you know, and, 
And the thing is, though, with that comes really delicious food. Yeah. And that's the key. Like, it, for me, I see it as an investment to quality of life. Sure, yeah. I can feed my kids beans, rice, and frozen vegetables every day. I really could because that's the greatest common denominator. But number one, now I'm skipping out on vital nutrition because I've eliminated a lot of food groups. But number two, what's the quality of life? You know, especially when you're dealing with kids, you know, earlier I had said, let's stick to like the little kid part of it. You know, when your kids are little, they're going to class parties and sleepovers, or you want them to, and you want them to feel normal. How do you do that? You create an illusion. You're going to spend the day from diagnosis to probably like age 18, creating an illusion for your child. Yeah. And it's a lot of work, like a lot. Been there, done that four times. Oh my goodness, you guys. It's so much work. Yeah. But you don't like, okay because I'm just going to be real honest with all you parents listening. Do I regret it? No. Am I exhausted? Yes. <laughs> like that's, that's the key here. And I get, I resent my exhaustion, my exhaustion, but I don't resent the things I did for them. Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to explain to the point now where I'm like, I don't care what you want. I'm buying a Lego set. Cause I want one. <laughs> if you're old enough, deal with it yourself. Right? Like, I've given them all the tools. I mean, heck, we made an entire website with over a thousand resources. Like children, you're settled. I've taught you how to do everything. You don't need, I mean, our, our youngest at this point is almost 18, right? Like mm -hmm. they don't need me to baby them. So I'm kind of in that free zone where I'm like, no, no, make your own food now. Recipes on the raise. Go look it up. You have an account. Why do you need me? Go use what's in the fridge. I'm buying <laughs> a Lego set, you know, and, and that's kind of my thing. And, and you will get to that point. Like that's the, yeah. the glimmer of hope I want to give you is that it's not forever. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some of you, if you have, you know, a disabled child, maybe it is forever, but for a lot of you, it's not forever. So it's investing your time and your energy into teaching them how to thrive so that when they are old enough, they can thrive and you can kick back and relax. <laughs> I think that, that's so important that too. To your, goal. your goal needs to be, <laughs> they need to be independent. Even yes. if they live at home, like I am not against adult children living at home. I, I think it's fine. I, I think the idea of rushing out to pay rent, I think it's kind of stupid. Um, it's cheaper to live at home and you can pay rent at home and then everybody wins. Right. <laughs> um, but they also need to know how to contribute and how to fend for themselves, you know, and, yeah. and something I actually do with our kids when they are adults and they have jobs, cause I'm big into that. Like you are not going to be a freeloader. Um, <laughs> I make, so we have a local place that does grocery delivery and that carries a lot of safe brands for us. I make them start their own account and for like a two week period. And I kind of do it sporadically. They're actually completely on their own for food. hundred mm -hmm. percent. They, they don't have to cook for the whole family. They just have to take care of themselves, but I make them completely work for themselves, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snacks, whatever. And they have to grocery shop for themselves, meal plan, cook the whole nine. Because I need them to know how to do these skills because at yeah. least if they're doing it while they're at home, they can say to me, I don't know how to do such and such. But if I wait until they're gone, it's like, how much harder is that for them? You know? And, and so yeah. it's, that's really what it is. It's all a bunch of training. It's just teaching them how to do stuff for themselves. And, um, oh, the other tool I want to tell you, this one right here, the instant read thermometer. I think every house should have one. It makes mm -hmm. your cooking way easier. Yes. Like I know professional chefs are all about the touch and the look and the feel. And I'm like, nah, just get the thermometer. Yeah. <laughs> like so much easier. Oh, I love that. And these are all things you can pass on to your kids and the listeners can pass on to their kids too. Like, okay, yeah. this is 
we, these are, this is the equipment that we use. These are the ingredients that we use. And eventually, yeah, they have that independence. They can go and they can do that. their own. even my eight-year-old at this point, what was it yesterday? She's like, can I cook dinner? I'm like, sweet offer, not tonight (laughs) because I already have a plan and, you know, and we'd have to go to the grocery store and all that. But she's like, well, when can I cook dinner then? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, uh, Thursday, Thursday, you can cook dinner on Thursday. And she was like, okay, I'll cook dinner on Thursday. You got to send me pictures. I want to see what she makes. (laughs) I'll I'll post them. I'll post them on social media. And (laughs) that's so cute. Oh my goodness. She's so cute. She, she is already really falling in love with being in the kitchen at eight. And I appreciate that too. Cause I think the more and more, especially the more she starts to connect her food sensitivity with the way she feels, the less she feels left out with like other kids. And the more she's like, no, I want to feel good. I don't like feeling like this. And it was interesting. It's um, we're recording this much earlier than this is going to come out, but it's almost Valentine's day right now. And um, so I was at target with my, my younger kiddo shopping for her Valentine's. And I'm like, Oh, we've got to get something for big sister. She was at school. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, do I just get the regular candy for her to give out to her classmates and be like, well, you can't have this. Or do I get the one that I know that she can have that costs about a million dollars, but I know she can have it. And then she can have one with her friends too. So I'm texting my husband and my husband's like, spend the million dollars because then she doesn't, then she's like, well, I can have one of these too. And her friends are going to give her all of these treats that she can't have. So you might well, as well give her something her, she yeah. can have. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so right. <laughs> and, and you know, you actually described it. That's, that is exactly what food allergy life is like when you have younger children. I can tell you guys listening, when they get older, it does go down in price because you don't have to work so hard at the illusion and mm-hmm. they get to the point where they kind of don't care as much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and in high school, they're not doing class parties for Valentine's Day. In mm-hmm. yeah. days, right. It's it's a totally different landscape. Now they are going out to eat at restaurants and you still have to be prepared for all of that. And it's a it's a different landscape, but it's not the same. And so, um, you know, when they're when they're younger, though, you're going to spend the million dollars. And I promise you this, I can promise you, I can look back and say, we spent the million dollars. I can actually, so we actually tallied it up one year. We spent $32,000 one year on food. Wow. And that's a car with a moonroof. <laughs> it's a really nice car. Yes. I guarantee you, we have spent half a million dollars on these kids just in food alone. Yeah. I don't regret it. They had every experience. Mm. They had giant birthday cakes. They had parties with friends. We were the party house for a while. We literally had like ice cream parties and Mm. we we did it all. The kids were included. I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I did my part as a parent to make sure my kid didn't feel left out. Now, is it a perfect system? No. In fact, one of our kids, I asked one day, I said, did you ever feel left out? And they said, I know you did everything to make me feel included, but sometimes I did. And I was like, wow, because I did a lot, you know, and and to know that that child still felt left out, I'm like, geez, Lisa, how much would I have had to do to keep you involved, you know, knowing what I had done. And so, um, cause there's some things you just can't avoid, you know, with certain allergy sets, you can't avoid bringing your own food to a restaurant for some people. And I think that's really the key. Like, I think that's really when they felt left out because they always had to bring stuff. Um, and so, you know, you can only do so much, but you will not look back on it when your kids are adults and say, Oh, I regret buying that candy. Like you're not, Mm -hmm. I promise. You might sort of regret it in the moment where you're like, man, they ate that candy so fast and I spent so much money on it. Like you will say that. (laughs) I say that all the time, but I don't like legit regret it later. Mm -hmm. Like I I just don't because when you see that little look on their face and they light up and, you know, we've got one kid and 
he's not a child. And he's, his face still lights up. But I'm like, hey, look <laughs> at this thing I got for you. And he's like, oh, I'm like, dude, it never gets old. Yeah, it gets old. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny. My husband still yeah. has foods that like he like silly foods, like the cereal that he ate when he was a kid that he gets so excited about because he doesn't really have it anymore. And I'm like, this is like the most basic food <laughs> ever. Right. But he's like, but I could have this and I couldn't have all the other ones. So this is exciting to me because I remember that this is yeah. something that I can have and this is something enjoyable. And it's yeah, it's funny. So, you know, yeah, well, and that's the thing, like most people take food for granted until they lose it. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they realize what's up. Yeah. yeah. It, it creates a whole new level of understanding. It's true. It's so true. Okay. I have a couple of last questions. I don't want to keep you all day, but I also do. I could definitely talk to you <laughs> for hours. Do you have any, I know that your family is a great example of having several different food allergies, but do you have any go-to allergy friendly meals for families or like just tips? I know you already gave the spice tip, which I a hundred percent you know, making sure you're salting your food and using lots of spices to make it flavorful, maybe, maybe tips for making food more flavorful. So maybe go-to meals or just tips for making allergy. Oh man, this is a tough one. And I'll tell you why everybody's got an opinion on food, right? Like one person loves pasta, the next person hates it. Um, and so I guess the advice is really, it's kind of weird, but cook what you love, whatever food you actually like, Focus on adapting that for safety. That's mm -hmm. the real advice because I don't know what you listening to. I don't know what you love. Maybe you love Indian food and you can't have legumes. Hot dog is that hard, right? Because mm -hmm. Indian food is packed with legumes. And so now you have to focus on creating flavors that are legume free and still within the Indian realm of food. Or maybe you love Mexican food and you're allergic to tomatoes. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Okay. My sister. <laughs> because Mexican food is built on the backbone of tomatoes. Yeah. And so maybe now you've got to reinvent so many wheels to get back to the mouthfeel of a tomato. And then like, you got to trick your brain by using certain spices to think it's the color of a tomato, but you'll never get the taste of a tomato. There's nothing really that gets you close to mm -hmm. a tomato. You can bring yeah. in other Mexican flavors, but you'll never get tomato. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now maybe you can have tomatillos, but even though they're close related tomato, like maybe you can still do that in which case you get close, but even then it's not the same. Although you could try gooseberry. Gooseberry might get you closer to a tomato, believe it or not. Oh. You'll get a better mouthfeel. You're going to have to mask the flavor a lot. You're going to have to work on it, but it is adaptable. Like, especially if you do um, like fruit salsas too, like you yeah. bring in mango and red onion. Okay. That's a whole different story for a whole different day. Oh, well, I'm going to use that for my sister because she's allergic to tomatoes. So that's okay, a great yeah, suggestion. Like, I love there that. You go. Uh, <laughs> Mexican food without tomato, or maybe you love, you know, traditional Chinese food and you can't have like fish and mushroom. Geez, Louisa, that's hard. You know, so I can't really give one meal per se, but the yeah. best advice is just cook what you love safely. If mm -hmm. you can find ways to adapt, that's really the goal. And that's the crazy thing about Ray's. You know, I've wanted to go on competition cooking shows for a while now just to like shove it in people's faces to be like, ha, look what Free From can do, right? <laughs> and on so many shows, they want you to have a signature dish. And I'm like, I don't have one. Mm -hmm. I legitimately don't have a signature dish because my signature is throwing everything on its head. My signature is tell me what you wish you had and then I'll get you there. <laughs> tell me what you can't have and watch me reinvent all these wheels. That's my signature, right? I don't stick to one thing. That's boring. And then you're just like doing the same thing again and again. Who wants to do that all day? I know I don't. Um, you know, if I were not blessed with the miracle of cooking, which is literally what it was, you know, um, I would not do this job. If I had to like, 
because I talked to like, you know, I have friends who are in the industry and like, yeah, I had to test this recipe nine times. I'm like, what? I could not. <laughs> For me, I literally get it right the first time, 99% of the time. We if I give it, I literally walk away because <laughs> I, I don't have that patience to keep mm. redoing the same thing. I, I really don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm very similar. <laughs> I don't have a lot of patience. And so um, I am so in a weird boat that I'm just Beethoven and I'm just going to do my thing. But that's my signature is getting you to a place you thought you could never get to. Mm. Top nine free cake that tastes good and it's not a brick and it's moist and it's delicious and it frees well and you can keep it for four months. I'm there. Did it, yes. done it, invented it, moved on, right? That a cake with 18 layers <laughs> that's literally like four feet tall did it completely free from cool moving on. Like to me, I'm all about, let me stop the show. Right. Mm -hmm. Let me reinvent. So who knows? Maybe I'll never go on one of those shows, but maybe I will. Maybe you need your own show. Like you need your own. Actually, you know, it's funny. We filmed a pilot on our own and now we're we're actually in the editing process. And um, if anyone listening wants to produce a TV show, please get in touch. I wish I knew someone who could do that. That's so, right? oh my gosh, I, so cool. I'm out of my depth on this one. Like I have no, like I have one friend in the industry and they're like, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yep. <laughs> you know and, and so it's like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work this one out on my own. But you know, yeah. if I could get a cooking show and it it's, I want to show people like you can have your cake and eat it too. And I want to show mm-hmm. kids, especially, I don't care what your restriction is. You can do anything. If you want to be an astronaut with food allergies, you can do it. You can make your own, freeze-dried, space-aged food and and have it and literally go to space with it. There is nothing stopping you but you. That's it. Like, you can do it. You can do anything. I love that so much. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Tell us more about Raise then, your allergy-friendly recipe platform. Tell us about it because I know that the person listening is like, I've heard you mention it a couple of times. How do I get in okay. on this? <laughs> so the coolest thing about Raise um, and this is actually true of our bakery as well. Both of them almost did not exist because um, I, being the person that I am and with the background that I have, right? I'm like, well, from a marketing standpoint, it needs a name that's catchy, that resonates with people, blah, blah, blah. And so when we first started our bakery, I was like, we can't do this. And they were like, well, why? And I said, well, because we'd have to call the bakery gluten-free, dairy-free. And I had all like this, it was literally like a hundred words long by the time yeah. I was done. And then I said bakery at the end. I'm like, nobody's going to type that into a search box or, or a URL. Like, that's ridiculous. And they're like, okay, give it to me again. So I have to go through the list. And they said, okay, free and friendly foods. I'm like, okay, free from friendly to I'm on. Now we can have a bakery. And the same thing happened with Ray's because I said, if you make it about food allergy, you're eliminating all these other people. Someone with celiac disease doesn't think food allergy. Someone who's vegan does not think food allergy, right? They're thinking the word, the buzzword. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, I'm not doing this if I can't include everyone. Cause that was my goal. And so raise actually stands for restricted diet. The A is for allergy. The I is for intolerance. The S is for special diet. That was my compromise. Um, because that actually stands for paleo gaps, AIP, SCD, vegan, etc. And then the E is for EOE. When you combine those, those five letters, and of course the extension of the S mm-hmm. get everybody literally everyone is included. And that was, um, so raise includes everyone. And, um, the advanced recipe search is the coolest thing ever. Like I said, 85 filters plus so cool, you know, and it, it filters all the majors, obviously, but all the minors that people are excluding. So cinnamon, carrots, celery, citrus, corn, cruciferous, mustard, seeds, all seeds, like anything and everything. Like we're, we're doing it. 
because nobody else is right. Yeah. And what's cool is it's an and or yeah, it's an and search, not an or search. With some searches, if the recipe meets one or another of your needs, you see the results. Mm. Ours has to be all needs are met to show the result, you know, which is so cool. And then of course you can bookmark your results. And because it's dynamically loaded every time you go back, if there's a new recipe that meets your need, um, you can see it. And so mm, what I always cool. tell people is go through like at first and set up a bunch of bookmarks for yourself. So like everyone in our household for dinner, you know, everyone in our household for breakfast. And then maybe it's just kid two and kid three for breakfast, right? Like make all these bookmarks. So you can quickly get to search mm. result groupings, right? It's actually pretty cool. Um, and then there's like a favorite feature. So you have your own little recipe box and, you know, and that's just the recipes. Then we have the other half of the website. That's all resources. It's videos. It's, we have a whole library of like courses and seminars and teaching you all the things that, you know, when you get the diagnosis, they're just not telling you. Right. Yeah. And they don't, they're not like maliciously not telling you, like, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. It's just not what they do. And, and that's okay. Right. Um, this is our specialty, taking you from diagnosis to thriving, mm -hmm. getting your kids in school, getting your kids involved, getting you to a sleepover, you know, eating out at a restaurant or just knowing how to handle taking your own food to a restaurant. It's, you know, should your child be in preschool? It's how to communicate. It's all the things that nobody's talking about. That's what yeah. raises. It. It's everything you wish you knew the day you were diagnosed. It's, it's the way that I literally take everything in my brain and give it to you. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's so my brain cool. on display. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I think oftentimes when you get that diagnosis or that confirmation of diagnosis or whatever it is, it's like, here are the things you can't eat. And you can go and you can look for a list of all of the ingredients that have that food. I'm thinking of corn in my head and all of the like ingredients that spin through my head whenever I look at a food label. <laughs> or you can you can go, okay, these foods are these foods are safe, whatever. But no one teaches you how to how to cook to make yeah. those foods. No one teaches you, you know, how to go out to eat. And so I think it's such a fantastic resource because we even have, right, they, like, they really basic, don't give it. <laughs> yeah. We even have like basic cooking videos because one day yeah. I was like, you know what, what if somebody got the diagnosis and they're so used to eating out, they literally don't know how to cook. And yeah. so we started doing like how to chop an onion, how to yeah. cut a bell pepper, how to shift and odd vegetables, how to do like literally how to do the most basic tasks. Yeah. Right. Because for some of, some of the people, it's like, they want to teach their kids as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you can go through the super basic stuff with kids. And, you know, what's interesting is, and we sort of set out to do this, and I think we've more than achieved it. We are actually the leading online resource for corn allergy anywhere. Um, awesome. And we only, we don't, we don't play the game of corn light, corn moderate and all that stuff. No, mm -hmm. we're like hard, severe corn allergy, all elimination, yeah. no derivatives. Um, we take, we, we take the 1% and we feed them. Mm -hmm. So we feed everybody in the corn-free realm. And, um, you know, if you're listening and you think you have a corn allergy, don't join any groups online. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but just know some of those online groups put out really bad information and they're not well moderated. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. It's true with a lot of different allergies too, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But corn is one of the worst because there's so many different levels of tolerance. And so right, one person yeah. will be like, oh yeah, eat this food. It's safe. And it's like, hold on. That's processed on shared equipment with corn and you're telling yeah. them to go out and eat it. Like, hard pass, man. You're going to kill someone's kid, you know? And, and it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but people have asked me so many times to start a Facebook group. And I'm like, no, you can't moderate them properly. Mm. Or else then I'm going to look like a jerk, always having to shut people's conversations down. Like, no. 
And then somebody else was like, well, they're just going to go somewhere else and talk about it. I'm like, cool. Then the liability's not on me, but I'm not taking on that. Yeah. You want to keep people safe. Yeah, exactly. It's the same reason why on raise members can't communicate with each other. Mm. We don't want anyone to inadvertently give you bad advice. We vet everything. We vet it because that that's what you're, you know, when you become a member, you're buying safety first and foremost, you're buying like delicious recipe soup, but safety is what you're really buying. It was the same thing with our bakery. You know, we had some customers who would come to us and say, can you make me a character cake with such and such? And I have to say, listen, I have to say this up front to you. We are problem solvers first, cake artists second. (laughs) Solved a problem. The problem was this product did not exist. It exists now. I'm not, I cannot give you the character. I'm sorry. But you (laughs) can get a cake topper. And that's what I was thinking. Get your colors kind of close, but we have to use all natural colors and they're allergy friendly. And and I can't get you this shade of blue, but I'll get you a blue. And Mm -hmm. you're just going to pretend it looks cool. And that's how your cake's going to work, you know? And that's what it's like. And so, um, you know, I, I tell people like, you know, you, you can't do certain things. And at the same time, you can do it all. Like mm-hmm. there are only a few things that you will ever hear me say you cannot do egg free souffle. It's off the menu. Please don't <laughs> even try, you know, but pretty much everything else I'm going to get you there. We're going to get yeah. close or what I like to call the memory of, you know, yes. Uh, one of the coolest <laughs> recipes on raise it's uh, top eight free soy free chicken chow mein. And the kid said it's better than restaurant chicken chow mein. And I was like, what, what? That's awesome. Restaurant chicken chow mein is great. And um, I actually call it the memories of chicken chow mein because it's the wrong noodle. We have to use a ramen noodle, right? Because you can't get the right noodle that's top eight free, you know? And obviously there's no soy, but boy, oh boy, did we take you back to that memory of chicken chow mein. (laughs) And and that's really what it's all about. It's just, it's creating these experiences for you. And, you know, we get so many messages these days where people are just like, I can feed my kids safely. Thank you. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's really cool. That's really cool. Oh, I love it. Okay. I have some fun little rapid fire questions. We love to do at the very right. end. And I'm really curious for your answers because some of them involve food. So we'll see. But yeah. before I get to that, I never want to forget to ask you where, other than Ray's, where can my listeners connect with you, the work you do, where can they find you? Yeah. The easiest way is theallergychef.com. That's me. Hopefully you don't forget who I was this whole time. <laughs> but um, if you go to theallergychef.com, it's like a giant landing page and it takes you to like the Instagram and the YouTube and the, you know, all the places and all the things. Um, if you go to theallergychef.com and you're newly diagnosed, we actually have a whole free program for the newly diagnosed. You click on a button. It says, are you newly like, diagnosed? Click here. And you click there and you can sign up and you get like a top nine free meal plan and there's a webinar, which we're actually converting into an e-course so that people can do it all at once. And oh, cool. we send you all the resources so that you go from day one, within a week, you, you've got so much information in your head that can get you to the next step. Um, and again, that's a whole free program. Instagram awesome. is the social media platform that we're active on because it's the only one that I can really wrap my brain around. <laughs> um, and it's at The Allergy Chef. So again, The Allergy Chef. If you remember nothing else, just The Allergy Chef and um, you'll, you'll find us. Awesome. Oh my gosh. And your Instagram's awesome. There are so many great resources just on your Instagram you too, like but yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure they will go and they will, especially the resources for the newly diagnosed. I'm like, I want to go back on and, and <laughs> follow it all. Well, even you know, though, it's like, crazy. We're, I'm actually we're far beyond that. As part of converting it to an e-course, I'm finally finishing a project I started like over a year ago. And it started off as a joke, not joke with a friend in the community. Um, they had started a bakery for in Colorado and she says, you know, when our kid was diagnosed with a seed allergy, nobody told us what that meant. And I'm like, what do you mean? 
didn't they tell you what to avoid? And she goes, no. And I'm like, this is so dumb. You know what we need? We need a manual with every allergen and what to do. And she was like, that'd be so cool if there was a manual that they gave out. And then I said, I'm going to write one. <laughs> and I really did. I That's literally awesome. have this like 80 page manual on my computer that goes through all the majors, truckload of less commons. It talks about like how to avoid hidden sources. It's got links to more resources and all these things. And it's like, there's a manual coming, a manual That's that awesome. literally does not exist. Even like the major organizations with loads of funding, nobody's produced a manual. I'm mm. like, why? Yeah. You, why not? Yeah. Why has it taken so long? But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to change the world. Yes. Give it some time. Just gonna I love it. I love it. You are changing the world. This is so important and so helpful. This has been, this has been so incredible. Um, but I, I think we have to get to the rapid fires. <laughs> okay. Rapid okay. Fires. Here so we go. I, I know that you can't do most water. So do you do coffee or tea? No. Okay. Podcast or book? What? Say that one more time. Um, podcast or book? Neither. I mean, I, I like to read. Okay. Book, but digital books because I can't touch books. And I, I'm not really, like, I I don't, I don't do the podcast thing. I don't know why it never really like took root in me at all, which is funny. Some people are are either or. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny because I'm working on a creative writing project that eventually I'm actually going to do as a podcast. And Mm -hmm. I wish I could tell you more, but just know that it's going to be really good and incredibly funny and also really good. Like it's so, everybody I've told, they're like, oh man, this is genius. I'm like, right. This is like <laughs> the best idea ever. Um, but yeah. I love it. Okay. So what did you eat for breakfast this morning with all of your allergies? Nothing. I actually don't eat breakfast. <laughs> um, I usually eat like once a day. Funny thing yeah. is I sort of forgot to eat yesterday. So after we finish up, I'll probably go eat like um, some meat that I have in the refrigerator. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, whatever works, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you can eat out at restaurants, but what's your first choice if you're going to order out, if you're going to go to a restaurant? So I cannot, but um, I am a foodie at heart. So anything with a Michelin star, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And um, I I have yet. Well, okay. So Carlton actually agreed to this because he's like $300 for a dinner. And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, this is so dumb. And I'm like, I don't care what you think. You're going to take me there. And you're going to eat the food and describe it to me. So um, <laughs> I love that. But then like all the lockdown started and stuff. So oh, people, yeah. But um, that's my like, I'm really into Michelin stars. I, it's, mm. I don't even know why. Like, even before I was diagnosed, I was actually, when I was younger, I would save up money to go to Michelin starred restaurants just to oh be like, and it's like my thing. Um, I mean, I'm a huge foodie too. So I get it. Do you have, do you have like a number one on your list that you want to try? No, right now? I, you know, it's, I, I don't care. I just. I want the experience. Like it, it could be anywhere, honestly. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Neither. Cause I sleep at weird hours. So sometimes I'm up early and sometimes like I, you know, I'm like the worst person to ask these questions. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, last but not least, because this is the healthy balance mama podcast and we're about helping moms find balance in every area. What does balance mean to you in this season? Right now for me, um, it's delegation. I have, you know, I, oh my goodness. I got I tell my kids this all the time. I don't want to parent adults. You are 18. One of them's like pushing, wait, did he just turn 19? I think he just turned 19. Anyways, um, you get the idea. I'm like, don't make me parent you. Do your freaking chores. You know what your job is. Just do it. Why do I have to say anything? When you go to work, does your boss have to say anything? Well, no, then why do I, right? Like <laughs> um, it's, 
it's delegating, it's holding, it's putting the responsibility where it belongs. That's always been our parenting style is um, it's all about responsibility and getting them to, to take it. And so um, balance to me is just, it's, I no longer have to do it myself because they're old enough to do it mm. and it's getting them to do it or letting them do it or whatever. And um, so that I can just not do it or do something else or, you know, like you've done it for so long. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I legitimately have not had balance for their entire lives. And so, and I realize right now the pendulum is swinging to an extreme where some days I just kind of like want to sit around and do nothing for like five hours. <laughs> and then I feel guilty for doing nothing for too long. But then it's like, I did so much for so long. It's okay. It's self-care. You're allowed. <laughs> like, it's okay. But yeah, that's what it's like. It's, it's getting somebody else to do it. Mm, I love that. So for those of us who still have young kids and are like, one day they'll do things for themselves. <laughs> we have some friends that had kids that were like 15 and then they had like three more kids. I'm like, what? Oh, that, that would be really hard. <laughs> I'm like, you were at the finish line. What were you thinking? You know? Like, oh, it's so hard. We're finally at the point where we're like, we, there's no more diapers. Like the youngest yeah. is four. So she's old enough to, you know, we can talk to her. We can reason. She can set the table for dinner. We're, we're getting there. I'm like, Every so often I'm imagine. like, wouldn't it be fun? Like, I'm like, wouldn't it be fun to have a baby? And I think about it for five minutes. I'm like, never mind. Forget that I said that. That was a terrible <laughs> idea. I think you've been through that season. I just want to borrow someone's baby for five minutes. That's it. That's actually all I really wanted. You know, (laughs) I'm sure you could do that. I'm sure you can. Like babies are cute for five minutes and then they cry or you have to change diaper or you have to be responsible. There's all this stuff that nobody talks about. They just talk about how cute they are. But if there's a lot going on there, it's not just the cuteness, (laughs) you know? It's true. Oh my gosh. I love it. Kathleen, this was such an amazing conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much for making me laugh while talking about food allergies and anaphylaxis and for the incredible resource that you resources, not just resource resources that you've created for the food allergy community. I appreciate you. I know my listeners are going to appreciate you. And if they don't already know who you are, I hope that they hop into everything that you have because it's so, it's so important. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And um, yeah, just trying to help people help themselves, I guess, really. You're doing it. <laughs> thank you. I listen to my podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.